Hey, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Around the Diamond right here on themajors.net. I'm going to go ahead and throw our texting number out there out, out there for you, 248-429-7729. I am Adam Hernandez. With me, as always, is Tony of the Majors SoCal out in San Diego. Tony, what's going on? Not too much. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing pretty good. And we also have Tip of the Majors Live, which you can hear every Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on themajors.net. Tip, what's going on tonight? Adam, how are you? Tony, how you doing? Good, 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 good. All right, guys. Well, we are, like, before we start the show, Tony said we're two weeks behind, so we got some stuff to catch up on here. Um, first and foremost, you know what? The Lenny Dykstra, again, it's one of those falls in baseball that you see every so often. Um, Lenny Dykstra charged with um, former New York Mets and Philadelphia Phillies star, um, jailed yesterday, actually, on grand theft auto and drug possession charges after being accused of using phony information to lease a car from a Southern California dealership. Um, this comes from SI.com. Dykstra 48 was charged with 20, with 25 misdemeanor and felony counts of grand theft auto, attempted grand theft auto, identity theft, and other crimes, said Jane Robinson a spokeswoman for the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. He faces up to 12 years in state prison if convicted. Um, Tony, this is uh, this is coming out of Southern California. Have you heard anything else on this that you know that um, I'm not I'm not saying here, or anything else that uh, is uh, that is of value in the story? Other than the fact that Lenny Dykstra is an idiot, um, <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, come on. This guy, this guy at one point was probably one of the most dominant leadoff hitters in the game. I mean, he was very instrumental in the Mets 86 um, World Championship. And, you know, this is just, you know, and he was, you know, a key cog in the, uh, the Phillies early 90s runs. But this is just um, this is just another classic case of just somebody out, you know, outliving his means, you know, trying to to really get, you know, to get things going on his just his name alone and you know what in this world today you gotta you know you gotta be honest and he he hasn't been playing the honesty card obviously if he's coming coming up on 23 items or 25 items absolutely and you know when you look at something like this like you said tony he's one of the you know he's one of the the greatest leadoff hitters in baseball history um as far as personal falls you know tip tony you could, is this is this right in line with, you know, what happened to uh, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry? I mean, it, it it definitely seems like. It. What do you think, Tip? I think it is. He, you know, this is a guy that I believe what a few years ago he was even on sixty minutes. Uh, he was supposedly a stock guru and a financial manager. Uh, then they found out that uh, that was all bogus, and he uh, ripped off a lot of people uh, for quite a bit of money. And to me, though, it always goes back to the same thing, you guys, is just because you can hit a baseball or catch a football or put a basketball through the net, it doesn't mean you're smart. It just means you're good at what you do. And he was good at what he did, but, it, it, you know, don't equate intelligence with talent because, it, you know, it, it always comes back to bite you in the ass. Well, one of those guys that, I mean, it has nothing to do with um, with baseball, but it is, it's a sports figure that definitely had the book thrown at him, and, that was Plexico Burris, who was released from um, from prison today after serving, I believe it was 21 months 
for shooting himself in the leg at a at a New York City nightclub. So I mean, you're right in line there, Tip, with with you know using that example as far as you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you can catch a football, you know, throw a baseball, hit a baseball, you know, shoot a hockey puck, you know, you're, that doesn't necessarily mean you're smart, and that's definitely the case with Plexico Burris. With um, and, and also Lenny Dykstra here, it's just it's 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 sad to see this too. Just because, like you said, Tony, I mean how how great of a hitter he was, how great of a player he was, and to see, you know, a player like that in this position now, who's it's it's totally his own fault too. But it's it's just sad to see a downfall like this, um, you know, to a you know to a figure that's been you know. A, a good figure for the game in terms of, you know, his on-the-field play. Right, and, you know, and we were talking, you know, we talk about personal falls. You mentioned Adam, uh, Daryl Strawberry, and, and Dwight Gooden, and, and, you know, and, and that's just looking at, you know, from a lot of personal destruction, if you will. You know, one one uh, year that actually comes into my mind, you know, since we're talking about Dykstra and uh, the 86 Mets, there's two... Uh, two incidents that really came to play in in 86 which you know basically one ended up being a redemption and one ended up being a, a guy's personal ruin you know is bill buckner and donnie moore now bill buckner right. was vilified it for many many years uh in uh, boston and ironically enough donnie moore is the one that gave the uh the home run up when he was playing for the California Angels in the '86 uh, American League Championship Series to Dave Henderson. Donnie had a hard time with dealing with that. He ended up uh, he ended up uh, committing suicide in 1988, uh, 1988, just because of his inability to really be able to deal with the downfall. Because it, that really, from that point on, he had an extreme downward spiral. Bill Buckner, you know, was vilified in Boston. You know, he ended up. Um, he was on the backside of his career, but ended up, you know, really, you know, he, at least he came, he did come to grips with it. He was a great hitter beforehand, you know, and he, he's still probably all one of the all-time best hitting first basemen that, you know, have, have really ever played the game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to add, uh, Tip, before we move on? No, I agree. I really, those are great analogies. I really agree with what Tony just said and, uh, you know, it's just these guys get uh, so used to the applause and the uh, oh, the accolades and all that. They actually believe sometimes. I think that they're they're somebody they're not. And you know, in the case of Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry and those guys, like Tony said, they they did it to themselves. Where in a case like Lenny Dykstra, uh, he did it to other people. And to me, there's a big difference there. Uh, you want to take yourself oh, down, take, yeah. take yourself down, but he took people with him. He took advantage of people and. Uh, you know, he to me, his crimes are much more heinous than the other guy's crimes. Yeah, and that's that's an excellent point, Tip. Um, you know, and that's and it's and it's totally true. You know, exactly what you said. You know, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry. I mean, their problems were you know drugs, and they obviously had a problem with you know with with abusing drugs. And you know, Lenny Dykstra is one of those guys, and it, it appears like he has a problem with drugs too, but. You know, a big part of his problems, too, were, you know, ripping off other people. So, um, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen from here on out? Uh, you know, in that SI.com article, it says he can face up to uh, 12 years in state prison. So, 
Um, it's wow. definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, moving right along, though, uh, we talked about this a couple months ago or a, a month or so ago. And, uh, you know, we figure we bring it up again. And that is uh, that is Jake Peavy. Um, Jake Peavy of the Chicago White Sox is headed to the DL again. Um, I didn't catch whether it's going to be a 15-day stay or longer, uh, but he has a strained right groin. He suffered this uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? I believe it was yesterday. Yes. Yeah, yes. he pitched real well in the first uh, four innings of the game. Yeah, against the uh, for the Shadow White Sox against the um, against the Detroit Tigers, um, ended up having to leave the game because of a strained right groin. Um, Tony, apparently, this is something that he's uh, he's been dealing with for a while now, all the way back to his days in San Diego. Yeah, and really, this is um, it's not a surprise. But you know, uh, Adam, you and I were talking before the uh, before the show today about you know PV's dominance before really the injury bug really got to him. The uh, the groin the groin problems have really been um, something that's really has been unfortunately the bug that's really gotten Jake um, down, if you will, um, in the past few years. He's when Jake Peavy's on, and you guys have seen that in Detroit. Uh, you know, watching him play for the Shy Sox, you know, this guy you can't hit him. You're, I mean, you're going to do well to put a you know get a single or anything. But when this, when the guy's hurt, when the guy is ailing, I mean, he's definitely hittable, and it's a shame that's happening right now because this goes from that lat injury, which he was potential uh, comeback player of the year in baseball, to you know heading back to the uh, disabled list for that old groin problem again. Yeah, and um, and again too, I, I remember seeing him pitch in San Diego, and you know, Tony, this is what I was telling you before the show started. He had one of those pitches, like he had one of these rising fastballs, and it was just, it was ridiculous the way that he could pitch. You know, I, you know, back when Jake Peavy was healthy, when he was playing with the San Diego Padres, I mean, I, I, I put him right up there with, you know, the Cliff Lees now when the um, and uh. You know the holidays now. Um, it's he's just he was a phenomenal pitcher when he played for San Diego, and it's and it's and it's and it sucks to see him go down with this. Um, I, and again, I was joking around with uh, with with you, Tony, before the uh, before the show started too. That it's not bad for Tigers fans because now we don't have to see PV a whole lot. You know, if he's certain, it's obviously going to be a blow to Chicago. Um, but Tip, you were a you were a pitcher back in you know back in your day. Uh, what? I mean, as far as a groin injury goes, how debilitating could that be for um, for a major league pitcher? The worst injury a pitcher can basically get, and this is something a lot of people don't realize, it's in their legs. It's, it's, it's not their arm. The arm can be fixed a lot of times, but it, when a pitcher starts experiencing leg problems, especially knee, groin, what happens is generally when they do come back, then you'll see them hurt their arm because they change their delivery, uh, the leg strength isn't there, uh, and they end up getting hurt again. Uh, there's numerous pitchers in history that you can go back, and their original injury was a knee, and then the next thing you know, their arm went out. And so the legs on a pitcher are incredibly, incredibly important because they, they it's their strength. If you watch pitching, you know, you'll see just how much they use their legs. And generally, the pitcher is one of the best athletes on the team. People don't realize that either. So, no, Tip, it's incredibly when- important. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Didn't Roger Clemens have a, a notorious history of groin problems too? Because yep. I know he had some of the most powerful legs you could ever have on a pitcher. Yep. But I, I, I want to say that the groin was his, his key injury. Yep, it was. He always had groin problems because his, you know, look at it, his thighs were just huge, you know, and uh, it's debilitating. You can't, when you can't push off the mound, you're done. I mean, you can't pitch. Um, you can pitch with a sore arm. You got to deal with it sometimes. Uh, but when you when you have experienced leg problems as a pitcher, there you can't pitch. There's no uh, there's no magic uh, you know solution to that. Uh, so PV until he's he can straighten this out, he won't be back. And because they know the minute he does, if he comes back to really, he'll get hurt. He'll hurt his arm or he'll, he'll hurt his back. Uh, just like you know when you hurt your knee, Tony or Adam. I don't know you know people out there. Uh, a lot of times your back will start hurting because you know you're all connected. Uh, you're walking different. You're doing this different. Uh, so for pitchers, it's uh, it's the worst, about the worst thing that can happen to them. Yeah, and that was. Um, I mean, this is. I mean, besides the uh, the anxiety problems with Dontrell Willis, the, he had he had knee problems too. Which when it seemed like when he started having those knee problems in Florida, is another contributing factor to one of you know to his to his downfall in terms of a major league pitcher. Um, oh, that's what ended Mark Fitter's career. Yep. Yep. So it, you know, it was an arm thing, but he originally hurt his knee in spring training. He never was the same. I mean, he had one good year, but after that, he was done. See, and here's here's one. I'm sorry, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. Here's one thing I've never been able to understand about weird baseball deliveries. With Dontrell Willis, catchers like Dontrell Willis and Hideo Nomo, how they didn't haven't had worse injuries when it comes to their groin. Mm-hmm. Just from the herky jerky twisting motion that is involved with the different deliveries, I I, I think. If I'm not mistaken, guys, uh, Dontrell Willis got his delivery really from throwing a lot of wiffle ball when he was a kid. And Nomo basically developed his in Japan, which, you know, Japanese pitchers, for the most part, you know, don't have a conventional delivery that, you know, American or Latino pitchers have. Yeah, it's right. a- in Juan Marichal, if you guys remember, you probably don't, yep. you guys probably don't remember, Juan Marichal had one of the most you know, incredible deliveries in, you know, in the history of baseball. And, uh, you know, it was amazing that he wasn't hurt, you know. Yeah, you know, he had that high leg kick. Oh, absolutely. And uh, But the mound also back then was, you know, it was higher back then. Uh, it's, it's up there now again. But, um, no, he was, you know, it's, I agree with you, Tony. It's, it's, it's unusual. And, you know, you can almost pick off pitchers. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was watching a baseball game with my son, and we were watching Liriano. And I turned to Nick, and I said, uh, I bet you within one year this guy goes is going to blow his elbow out. And actually he did in about two months. Because you could just tell about the, the, how violent the way he threw with the ball. Yeah. And he, he wasn't fluid. Uh, everything was real snap. And when you see a pitcher snap a lot, they will eventually blow their arm out. Yeah. And is that kind of the problem with happened with Joel Zamaya, Or was, you know, just... Yep. You know, you look at Verlander, you look at uh, Jim Palmer in the day, uh, yep. Halliday. These guys are so, they're so fluid. Uh, they're, they're not violent, they're fluid. Uh, they're, you know, their whole motion is, it all works in unison, where so many other guys, I, I, I can't remember the pitcher I watched last week, uh, uh, the Tigers were playing, I can't remember. Same way, he was strong, he snaps his arm real hard, and it's just a matter of time. I mean, it's, it's so violent. 
uh, and it goes against nature to pitch anyway. Uh, that you know these guys. That's why there's just so many. These guys have so many arm problems. I just wish in the minors and in high school they would teach these kids to try to be a little more fluid with their you know with their entire approach to the you know to pitching. Yeah, that's I think Ordellas Chapman is gonna end up. Uh, it's gonna end up yeah. hurting his arm too, yeah, just you because. Think? Of, yeah, <laughs> just, again, you know, just because of you know what Tip just said. It's he has one of those. It doesn't seem like the body, the human arm, is supposed to throw at 103 miles per hour, especially the way that Joel Zumaya was doing it when he was doing it consistently with every single pitch. And, you know, even you, you brought up Justin Verlander. Even Justin Verlander has had to change his game this season. And, you know, that that's what, every, that's what you know, what's been talked about with Justin Verlander is the way he's, he's kind of taking it easy in the early innings and then dialing it up at, in, the, in the late innings because the other night when, um, you know, when he was in a jam, I believe he had runners. I can't remember if they're on the corners or if it was in second and third. But, you know, he used a pitch to, you know, to get out of the inning and with a strikeout, and he, and he was throwing at 100 miles per hour in the eighth inning, which is, you know, which is something you don't see a whole lot, in, you know, with pitchers. You know, usually, I tell you, you know, not to get off the beaten path here a little bit, uh, is he not turning into possibly, I'd say right now, he is the most dominant pitcher in the American League. I know they got those couple guys in Seattle, but Verlander's turning into uh, quite a star. Uh, he, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, every day he goes out there, I mean, you ex- you expect big things from him. And that's, um, and unfortunately, too, that's, you know, what we're, you know, what I'm sure a lot of White Sox fans were hoping from Jake Peavy, but, um, you know, I never, I never thought it was a good idea for him to go to Chicago and I didn't think he did at the beginning either since when he was kind of leery to go, um, play for the White Sox himself, but it's, you know, it's, it, you, know, it, you know, Tony, let me ask you a question on that whole deal. Really outside of money, why did Peavy, did he want to leave San Diego or, you know, what, what was the situation on that? I, I never understood. I don't understand these guys. I mean, if they trade him, he had no choice. I understand it, but why do these guys just want to always leave? I, I sometimes I just don't get it. The problem is money, and that's always been this. That's always been this problem with money in San Diego. It's the same, the same problem why they had to they had to trade Adrian Gonzalez this past spring or the yeah, uh, was- last fall, and and they're getting they're really getting hosed on it until this kid. Um, Oh gosh, Anthony! I can't remember what his last name is right now, but um, I mean, he—he's supposed to be like an up-and-coming first baseman. He's one of the top prospects in the Boston system. Mm-hmm. But you know, going back to the whole PV, the PV deal, a, a lot of it was money, and really they had to trade him to basically get the most talent that they could get out of the deal. Clayton Richard has been a good two or three starter for uh for the Padres. Uh Aaron Cunningham has been very serviceable. Uh I think Al- uh, Adam Gallagher or I believe that or Sean Gallagher is no longer with the team. And there was one other guy, but really Clayton Richard you know hasn't spent any time on the DL. Um he's he's been good for about 13 to 15 wins a year. But he's not flash. He's a good left-handed pitcher. Right. But he's he is actually become one of the uh one of the staples in the Padres uh, starting rotation uh that's really to be honest with you the only good thing that's come out of that trade uh, and it's almost become 
virtually a wash. Yeah, it's a shame. I just, you know, you see these guys who, you know, PV should be in San Diego. You know what I mean? It's like certain players just should stay on a team. And it's just a shame when you see these uh, franchises, they just they give up on them. Or not give up on them. they got to get rid of them because of money. And, you know, yeah, Gonzalez I, I just, should be here in San Diego. I mean, he grew, yeah. he grew up here literally 15 minutes away in Eastlake. And, you know, he's the identifiable face of the Padres franchise, and they couldn't afford to keep him. So they had to basically load him to the um, – you know, offload him to the first team that got him, and look what he did. He signed a seven-year deal with uh, with the Red Sox. Yep, and he's a hell of a player, too. Man. Yeah, he is definitely that. We do have some feedback here. What are the biggest falls in baseball history? Kevin says Leland not having the Tigers ready for the 2006 World Series. Um, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Say that again. I didn't hear that, um, What are the biggest falls, personal falls in baseball history? Um, Kevin from our Facebook page says, Leland not having the Tigers ready for the 2006 World Series. Um, I would probably have to disagree with Kevin, but, yeah, you know, I, that's his opinion. <laughs> yeah, I disagree with that also. It was called bad weather and sitting around for eight days, and, you know, the whole World Series that year was, you know, no pun intended, it was quite a wash. Yeah. Um, moving right along, though, ESPN the other day, um, among their baseball writers and their experts, had a um, had a draft. One player who they would choose to uh, build a major league baseball team around. Now, these players can be any player currently playing on a major league baseball team, you know, AAA team, whatever. Um, I want to ask you guys... One player that you could build, if you were starting a baseball team from scratch, what one player would you want to build your team around? Who wants to take it first? Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, put the, we'll put the pressure on you. All right. Uh, boy, that's a, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, baseball, as they always say, it's pitching, pitching, pitching. Um, I would, I guess if I had to, it would be a Justin Verlander, uh, Roy Halladay, uh, that kind of starting pitcher. Uh, I think that's where it starts, that's where it ends, that's how you win. Um, uh, uh, very, very, very good defensive, good hitting catcher is another uh, way I look at baseball. But I guess if I had to start a team, it would start, it would start on the mound. It would be... Uh, you know, number one starter, Verlander, Halliday, uh, that type of pitcher. So that would be my choice. What about you, Tony? I was with you. If you would have asked me this question back in February or March, I, I would have said Joe Maurer. Um, but we haven't seen much of Maurer this year uh, due to injury. Um, I, I'm going to go out and basically go out on the uh, play the homer card. I'd say uh, Miguel Cabrera. You know, despite the problems off the field, the guy is still a 330 hitter. He's still going to get you the run production. He's still going to get you the the homer balls just about when you need it. He's on base. He's you know playing a little bit more solid every year. Defense his defense just gets better every year. And he's the best hitter in baseball. I'm sorry. I think he's the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, and and on top of that, if you need to switch him, he's very similar to Kevin Euclid. You could. He could play first. He could play third. He he's got your corners covered. You know he may be a little bit more of a defensive liability at third, which is the whole reason why they they really moved him to first in in the first place. But I, I really believe, you know, pound for pound, he's probably one of the better, uh, you know, 
offensive players in baseball, even though he won't put up the uh, the Homer and RBI numbers uh, and Albert Pujols would put up. But, you know, that is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm th- I'm, you know, I'm going at this from a fantasy baseball perspective here. And, yes, I agree with you, Tip, that pitching is very important. It all starts and ends with pitching. But I think we have a – I think there's a – the pitching position, I think that there's a there, – there's a lot of pitchers to go around, so I'm think I'm thinking something else. I'm thinking position player, somebody that's going to go out there for you, um, you know, every single game, um, start start basically every single game for you, and you know, I mean, call me crazy. I'm looking at a guy like, uh, you know, like a Hanley Ramirez, crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, if you're going to go position, I'm with Tony. Like I said earlier, it would either be to me, so a pitcher or that that just number one catcher uh, type player like Joe Maurer. Uh, even that kid from uh, Baltimore, Matt, Matt Weiner is his name, or what's his last name? We, uh, we, was it Weeters? Yeah, it's Weeters. Yeah, Weiner. He, uh, he's got the highest average in uh, baseball, man, on base. Uh, you know, he's really turning into quite a prospect there. So, yeah, I was. Um, gonna... I think catching is just. So vitally important. I was also going to say Buster Posey too. Um, yep. Even oh, though, we're running down another road here. Yep. Even though, <laughs> even even though he's hurt right now, which uh, which is a good segue to our next uh, to our next topic here is uh, yay or nay running into the catcher, um, Scott Cousins of the Florida Marlins um, took out Buster Posey. Um, when was this? Was this last week that this happened? Yeah, uh, that was about. Three weeks ago. Was it three weeks? Yeah, it was three weeks ago. Um, Buster Posey is not returning. He's out for the rest of the season. Um, what exactly is his injury, though? Uh, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, what uh, he well, it was. It's. I think it's an injury that's below his knee. It ha- I think it has to do with his shins. I'll, I'll, I'll research that real quick. But I'm, I'm more than sure it has to do with the lower leg. Yeah, and again, I would. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm more than sure it was his leg that got broke. I'm just not. I, there were some bones. Here it is, right here. I oh, have right. it. I have it. Um, broken leg and torn ankle ligaments. So um, it's pretty serious, and this comes from a Scott Cousins plate collision. Um, and I guess my question to all of you guys is: Is it still good to run into the catcher? Yes or no? I mean, obviously we saw um, we saw Pete Rose do it in the in the All Star game. Whose career did he end? Ray Foster, uh, yeah. yeah, Ray Foster from the Indians, and um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is this is a pretty significant injury for Buster Posey, him being out for uh, f- for a, a good amount of time here. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm gonna take on... this one first because this one is a little bit of a um, head scratcher for me. Uh, Scott Cousins is a 152 hitter, guys. He's a 152 hitter. He's only in the major leagues for the most part. Basically, he's a defensive replacement. And here he is thinking that he's going to make all the difference in the world if he's going to run over the catcher. Now, I understand in the heat of the moment, that's the way the game is played. However, you're looking at this being a regular season game in May. In May. <laughs> there is no reason why you should be running over the catcher in May. 
Tips? Still, a win's a win, though, Tony. I disagree <laughs> with you. I think uh, that is part of the game. And if you're trying to win a baseball game in the major league level, you do what you have to do to win. And uh, if your thing is to knock the ball out of the catcher's hand, that's the only way you can score, then I, I don't have that much of a problem with it at all, actually. Whether it's May, June, July, August, it's still a win. Uh, there's a lot of games that, you know, a lot of teams wish they would have won in May because it would have made a difference of winning their division or not. So I have to disagree with you a little on that one, Tony. Uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna have to disagree with you too, Tony. Uh, it's... Again, too, I'm thinking. I'm thinking game 163 for the Tigers, and you know, I know he's a he's a he's a 150 hitter. Um, he's a defensive replacement, um, but it seems like he's the type of guy that needs to go out there and really um, and uh, really, uh, you know, help the team win by however he can. Um, since again, he's 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 a guy out. He's a guy thrown out there that's you know, probably starving for playing time and you know trying to work his way into the lineup any way he can. And again, you know, like I said, I, I go back to uh, I go back to the Tigers season a couple years ago when they had to play that extra game because they, uh, you know, because they ended up blowing the lead you know late in the season against the Twins and. Again, all they needed was that one extra win to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, I guess I, I guess Tigers fans are probably the wrong people to ask this because they're always going to side on you know on, on 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 wins and trying to win every single game no matter what. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I I could definitely see both sides of the argument. Um, yes, it is early still in the season but you know you never know when you're going to need that one extra win um once uh september rolls around here's my here's my question for you adam on this and sure. i know johnny bench has come out and has been very i, I don't want to say critical of buster posey's positioning there mm -hmm. but just from just some of the replays that we've seen i think my question ends up being i i believe that the the collision was avoidable and Scott Cousins really could have slid to the uh, slid to the foul uh, foul side of the line. Mm -hmm. Do you think the collision could have been avoidable? I yeah, probably maybe I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say that because I guess it, I guess it's easy for us to you know take a look at certain things you know from our standpoints as we're watching it on TV. We have. You know, we have the luxury of looking at replays, looking at different angles of it when, um, you know, when as opposed to when you're a player on the field, you know, running the bases, trying to get that run. Um, and when you're put in that position where, you know, you basically have a just about a split second to decide, OK, what am I going to do? Am I going to slide? Am I going to basically give myself up or am I going to run into the catcher? Um you know, I, 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 I'm sorry, Tony. I guess I, I guess I just can't answer that question right now because uh, you I, know, I, I agree with that point, Adam. And also, is um, you know, did, did someone tell him to slide? Did someone tell him to stay up? Uh, you know, the guy in the on deck circle. It's his job to, uh, you know, tell him absolutely what to do right. Home plate, and you know, you never know. The guy never if he put his hands up and you know to stand up, he just so 
I'd have to see the replay. I'd have to see it from every angle, actually. And, uh, you know, Tony, you've been around the game your whole life. But, you know, it, it can be real fast. And uh, these things happen. I mean, I love Buster yep. Posey. Great player. I hate, I hate seeing anybody get hurt. But sure. I hate to, I hate sound cliche. It is part of the game. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, it can just be brutal. Yep, it sure can. And I, I agree with you. I well, agree with you. Tip would always tell me to run into catchers and in, in, in softball, so, you know. Yeah, I, well, I was then trying to get you out of the right. game. <laughs> I, was trying to get, I, I was trying to get you out of the game, Adam. <laughs> um, our, last, our last topic of the night, though, is uh, is Carlos Zambrano once again. Um um, making himself the most popular person, the most popular player in the Cubs locker room. Um, again. again, yes. Uh, Carlos Zambrano recently said that his, uh, and you know what, to tell you the truth, I really, ha- I really didn't have a problem with, uh, with what Zambrano said about the Cubs. Um, he said that the players should be embarrassed. They're playing like a triple A team and basically said that they stunk. Um, what he was, a lot of the criticism that's come in, Zambrano's way is not just that, but um, the way he was criticizing Carlos Marmol, um, he was actually criticizing his pitch selection after uh, former Cub Ryan Terrio had an RBI double to tie the game, and St. Louis ended up winning the game against the Cubs three to two the other night, um, which Zambrano was in the, was in line to get the win. Um, I guess, you know, the question here is, is, you know, do you think that is, is Carlos Zambrano in line to be, you know, coming out, calling out teammates and basically, uh, putting down his team to the, uh, to the, to the newspapers and the media? I'll take this one. I, you know, I don't, I I think he has, that doesn't bother me. Uh, what he said was basically the truth. Uh, you are a major league ball player. You're getting paid a lot of money. Um, you know, you got a man up, and if he believes his team isn't playing up to stuff, I, I don't have a problem with that. He's not calling out any individual. He's trying to tell the team, look, you know, let's get our head out of rest. You know, they're tired of losing. The Cubs lose. You know, that's their M.O. They lose. And uh, that gets old after a while. So, no, if he called out an individual player or a coach or his manager, yes, I have a problem with that. But, no, it would be no different than if Justin Verlander said or whoever – uh, Roy Halladay or whoever the pitcher was said, hey, you know what? I'm tired of this. You know, we're playing lousy baseball. And it's time that we stop doing this, take a little responsibility for ourselves. And No, I don't have a problem with it at all, actually. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, I don't have a problem with it e- either because, you know, you have to look back at Zambrano's history. You know, in 2007, he had the infamous dugout and clubhouse brawl with Michael Barrett, which got Michael Barrett sent on town. And that obviously... When it came down to it, was pitch selection. He sent they sent uh, him to uh, San Diego, didn't they, Tony? Yep, they sent him to San Diego three weeks after the brawl, um, and then he's you know he's come out and basically had really been very vocal over pretty much since 2007 about about the Cubs team. I'm you know I have no problem with what he does. You know it's I, I believe it's his idea of being a leader. I, I kind of see him in a little bit more of a. Um, like a vocal role, just sort of like his uh, one of his probably his idols over on the uh, over on the south side, Ozzy Guillen. Yep. At least we can understand what C <laughs> says. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I really don't have a problem with uh, 
with what Z said. And, you know, if that's the way, you know, evidently he, he and Marmol are back on the same page. They talked yes. it out. You know, it's it, it's all good between them. You know, and that happens over the course of the year. You're going to disagree with the decision here or there. And sometimes uh, gripes get arid. But, you know, no problem at all from this end. I think, I think you know what, the only reason why this is um, is out in public, really, is just because it's Carlos Zambrano, and he does have the, he does have a history of of you know those those locker room tirades, fighting with teammates and and that's and that's just what Carlos Zambrano is. If this was anybody else, then we probably wouldn't be hearing a whole lot about it. Uh, and again, like you guys, I, I don't have an issue with what he said about the team. Um, the only thing that I have a problem with is is him coming out and kind of, you know, bashing Marmol a little bit, you know, to the media. But again, they're all on the same page now, so it seems like things are good for now there in Chicago. Um, but again, like you guys are saying, this is Carlos Zambrano, so I'm sure this is, you know, not the end. It's not the first time this has happened, and it certainly won't be the last time it's it's, it's going to happen with Zambrano. Well, and don't think for a second there's not media people out there who who purposely ask certain questions to certain players. Oh, to, sure. You yeah. know, to make a story. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah, that's, that's, and I'm not even saying that's not their job, but that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that reaction and. I've always had trouble with athletes being interviewed right after the game in the locker room, especially after a tough loss. How do you think they're going to feel? Not very you know, good, especially Zambrano. They're not, they're, not, they're not happy, you know, and, you know, leave them alone for about 15 minutes and, you know, let them get their thoughts together. Let's give so, Zambrano uh, a water cooler and let him take it out in that for a little bit, and then he'll be fine. So. Yep. <laughs> um, we do have another, uh, some more feedback here, where the biggest personal falls in baseball history uh, Jonathan says Strasburg was the quickest. D Train was the saddest, and um, uh, you know Strasburg. I, th- I think the jury's still out on Strasburg. I'm not. I mean, he did. He he has. He did have the Tommy John surgery, but I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think we sh- we should be writing him off just yet. Um, oh no, no, I wouldn't write him off at all. No. He, he can come back. That surgery is very, very successful. There's too many pitchers out there right now who've had it and doing quite well with it. So Dontrell, though, I Dontrell's done. So <laughs> yeah, and Adam, I just wanted to put I wanted to put this out. We were talking about um, Adrian Gonzalez earlier. Um, actually, the the player's name is Anthony Rizzo, uh, the kid that they got from Boston. Yep. And it was just announced by the Padres that there's a very good chance he's going to get called up on Wednesday. So this is, uh, you know, this is basically breaking news as we're uh, as we're Excellent. doing our show here. Excellent, and that's good news for Padres fans. They're going to get to see what uh, what the return investment is here. So yeah, well, they need to improve on that 12 and 21 record. <laughs> yeah, your boys just won three straight home games for the first time all year. So maybe they're on the, you know, they're. Turn it around a little for you, Tony. Any anything from nine and twenty-one yeah. is an improvement. <laughs> hey, the way this season's going, every division, you know, just look at the standings, guys. Like I said, it's it's everyone's in the race. You know, Absolutely. there's only a couple teams that are out of it, and uh, you know that West is uh, is uh, wild west. Uh, who knows what's happening? Look, in Colorado fell, but you know they'll come back. Uh, well, just as long as you're game. not giving up. Just as long as you're not giving up home runs to uh, Juan Pierre, you're then you're fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Anyway, no, I think it's, this is going to be a really interesting season. Really interesting. I think so too. 
Anyways, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Around the Diamond. You can catch us again next week, same time, same place, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, right here on themajors.net. Make sure you stay tuned for The Majors Live tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, right here on themajors.net. So for Tony, for Tip, I am Adam saying have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, gentlemen.